You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Farad Zengana, Medical Director of the Endocrine Diabetes and Osteoporosis Clinic, EDOC, in Sterling, Virginia. Dr. Zangana also serves on the Board of Directors of the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, AACE. You're listening to ReachMD, and this is Diabetes Discourse. I'm Farhad Zangana, and with me today is Dr. George Grunberger, founder and chairman of the Grunberger Diabetes Institute in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. He is the Clinical Professor of Internal Medicine and Molecular Medicine and Genetics at the Wayne State University School of Medicine in Detroit. Dr. Grunberger has published over 100 original peer-reviewed manuscripts in addition to reviews and book chapters. His research spans subjects from molecular underpinning of insulin resistance to clinical studies on diabetes and its complications. Today we are discussing how to attain the best glucose control for our patients. Most importantly, how do you do it safely? Dr. Grunberger, thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Zanganet, it's a real pleasure to join you in this program. And as you know, trying to help patients to achieve optimal glycemic control is my passion, and that's what I've been doing for more than three decades. So wouldn't you say that it is easier to, uh, to address uh, type 2 diabetes patient, more uh, tools in our armamentarium? Is it easier, is it harder, or is it just more complex? Well, unfortunately, all of the above, because depending who the patient is, it can be really simple. If you have a patient who was just diagnosed and whose uh, glucose control is just above the target, you might be able to achieve that particular goal with maybe lifestyle modifications and maybe uh, one medication like metformin. But the problem, of course, is that most of the patients we get to see with type 2 diabetes don't come to us newly diagnosed. As you know, many patients have been diabetic for a long time, and they bring blood glucose control well above the target, and it becomes more complicated because as we have more and more medications and more knowledge, uh, unfortunately, uh, with more knowledge also come the possible complications of the treatment. And as you know, we've been confused about what are the specific targets because every patient needs to be treated individually. And I think that more we know, the more we realize how individualized the treatments have to be. And it really depends on who the patient is, not only the patient's sort of motivation and education and socioeconomic status, but also how far does the disease advance. Uh, are the patients willing to do what it takes to achieve those glucose, the glucose control? And as I always tell my patients, I can only be the cheerleader on the sidelines. I can cheerlead, I can uh, be the resource, I can be the source of advice, but in the end, treating type of diabetes really depends on the patient and their family. Very interesting. I usually tell my patients, I'm your navigation system. Please please turn on the navigation system, otherwise I can't help you. So uh, we are talking about uh, individualized management of people with diabetes, personalized, and of course, how do we safely uh, treat patients individually. Can you expand on the safety, maybe touching on hypoglycemia, the low blood sugar, weight gain, and other issues? Absolutely. And this is where the dilemma is, because in the end, we all know how to lower blood glucose levels. That is not the problem. The point is that we realize more and more, especially in the older patients with established diabetes, often with already diagnosed cardiovascular complications, that the safety really comes first. And by that, we mean trying to minimize uh, episodes of hypoglycemia. And obviously, no one 
uh, the type 2 diabetes want to gain more weight. And I think we all realize the danger of hypoglycemia. And uh, as you know, we have now modalities which can hopefully achieve blood glucose control without incurring hypoglycemia weight gain. So I think we try to focus on the safety once you establish that personal goal and try to employ modalities which will hopefully minimize both hypoglycemia and weight gain. Would you say the uh, incretine class, both the uh, orals as well as the injectables, have uh, been revolutionary helping us manage patients with type 2 diabetes? There's no question about it. Again, uh, that class of an agent obviously is still relatively new, so one has to be always careful about long-term follow-ups, but absolutely. Because if you have patients who don't have a contraindication to metformin, and you start with metformin as sort of the base, now adding the incretin class, either the oral DPP for inhibitors or the injectable uh, glucagon or peptide 1 receptor agonists has helped us to achieve hopefully better glucose control while avoiding hypoglycemia, avoiding weight gain. Because remember, in the olden days, you basically had to go to sulfonuria and pretty much guarantee the complications of hypoglycemia and weight gain. So absolutely, that class has revolutionized uh, our approach. And I think that most authorities these days would add yeah, one of the incretin analogs to metformin you know, as, you, as you try to sort of uh, intensify the treatment. Most patients with type 2 diabetes may uh, feel overwhelmed because they have to think about low blood sugar, high blood sugar, what to eat, what not to eat, and uh, they require a lot of information. What do you uh, recommend to our listeners as far as what they should do? Of course, nothing general, but as far as a bit of a game plan for them. Well, the game plan is obviously, again, dependent on what the patient's uh, background is, the motivation, the previous experience, knowledge. Uh, any present complications, but in essence, uh, prudent lifestyle, and as I always say, things in moderation. So knowing that most of the patients will be overweight or obese, and given, uh, I don't know how Virginia is, but certainly in Michigan, pretty sedentary, I try to focus on concrete, achievable things that patients can do. So I always find out what is it they do today as far as physical activity, and I say, okay, tomorrow, do a little bit more, whether it's uh, not taking the elevators, whether it's parking a little bit uh, further away from the, you know, from the restaurant, and also try to focus on caloric restriction. There's no magic diet, but again, if one can subtract at least pieces of from their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and try to focus on getting really achievable small steps to both increase physical activity and get them to hopefully healthier diet and caloric restriction, can hopefully get them to see, okay, this can be done. This is not as overwhelming uh, as it might be because clearly trying to tell the patient, oh, by the way, you need to lose 100 pounds will not be very constructive. But I find that to be very concrete and to do little little things, little steps, which they can hopefully celebrate that there are some successes as you try to intensify the control is very helpful. For those just tuning in, you're listening to the Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Fahad Zangane, and I'm speaking with Dr. George Grunberger, and we're discussing getting our patients to the best and safest glucose control. So as far as the uh, management of the the complications of diabetes are are concerned, anything on the horizon as far as uh, reducing the eye disease, kidney disease, uh, uh, damage to their nerves, and all of the complications that most patients fear most? 
Well, as you know, this has been a very controversial because I think that one has realized that these microvascular complications of diabetes, that is the retinopathy, nephropathy, neuropathy, seem to be directly related to glycemic exposure. It means the higher the glucose levels for a longer time, the more complications. So clearly trying to minimize hyperglycemia has been very helpful in addition to dealing with you know, controlling the blood pressure uh, with ACE inhibitors or ARBs and uh, hopefully reducing uh, the microalbuminuria with uh, the ACE inhibitors and also trying to focus on controlling dyslipidemia you know, with statins, potentially with uh, fibrates has been very helpful. But the macrovascular complications, which after all are the major problems patients will face in the long run, the heart attacks, the strokes, the heart failure, have been obviously much tougher not to crack because as you know, most patients already show up with established atherosclerosis and it's been very difficult to demonstrate that just focusing on blood glucose control will remove that excess in the macrovascular complications. Very, very interesting. If you uh, have diabetes, do you really necessarily need to see an endocrinologist or do you think the primary care team is the way to go? Well, it's a loaded question because you're asking someone who does nothing but diabetes, obviously. And as you know, there are not too many people in the country who can uh, say that. So we just, we don't have the manpower. So even if we wanted to see every patient diabetes, it's impossible. So I would say, I would basically start in a way backwards. There are patients who should always see a specialist. And I believe someone who is on intensive insulin therapy, someone requires basal bolus insulin therapy, someone's on insulin pump, uh, definitely should see a specialist. Uh, for, however, people who are being just newly diagnosed, who are not that far from the target, who can be approached with you know, sort of the team effort, focus on lifestyle modifications, having one or two oral agents, can be seen and controlled by the primary care physicians, but they have to realize that the targets are the same. Whether the patient sees the specialist primary care physician, if you establish a target A1C less than 6.5%, less than 7%, whatever the target is, it's the same and should be same wherever the patient is being seen. So if there's a difficulty to achieve the target, I don't think there should be hesitation to refer the patient to an endocrinologist. I absolutely agree. Um, there's a lot of discussion on the harm of low blood sugar or hypoglycemia. Can you give us a review of the impact of hypoglycemia on people with type 2 diabetes? Well, I think uh, absolutely. There's more and more focus on that because we realize as we now have modalities which allow us to achieve euglycemia without the risk of hypoglycemia, we're focusing on the dangers of hypoglycemia. As you know, in every study which tried to intensify treatment, especially with the use of insulin, the more you try, the more hypoglycemia you're going to incur. And there have been now, obviously, uh, many cases in which hypoglycemia, severe hypoglycemia, has been recognized or identified as a culprit in sudden cardiac death. So if you're dealing with patients, again, we're discussing patients, older people, established diabetes, established cardiovascular disease, many of those patients, if they suffer a hypoglycemic episode, they can actually suffer also arrhythmia and sudden cardiac death. So it's, right now it's been associations. In other words, the more severe hypoglycemia, the more damage. But I think that it stands to reason if patients who have uh, autonomic neuropathy establish uh, cardiovascular disease, that they really should stay away from hypoglycemia as much as possible.
Yeah, this is very important. It sounds like the uh, hypoglycemia or low blood sugar is uh, kind of like the Rodney Dangerfield of diabetes. It doesn't get much respect, but it is very important uh, to avoid it and increase patient awareness and education. Uh, Can you share with us as far as the role of finger sticks and glucose monitoring? Do you individualize that for patients with diabetes or is that also one size fit all? I guess as everything else in diabetes, and it's what's frustrating, especially the bean counters and uh, the lawyers and politicians, that unfortunately every patient is different, for better or worse. Everything has to be individualized, and it's no different with the advice for uh, capillary blood glucose monitoring. Clearly, if I have someone who's taking no medications, lower glucose, or someone who just takes one or two oral medications, which do not cause hypoglycemia, my requirement will be very minimal when it comes to glucose monitoring. Conversely, if I have someone who's on intensive insulin therapy, if I have someone who's on sulfonylureas, clearly uh, it's very important that the patient is able to monitor glucose levels anytime they're symptomatic to to document uh, hypoglycemia. And for those who are on prandial insulin injections, they need to know what the glucose levels are before every meal because typically they will base the insulin dose on that reading. So you have basically three reasons why capillary blood glucose monitoring needs to be done. One is to detect and recognize hypoglycemia. Two would be to decide on the dose of insulin to cover each meal. And three is to basically document after every treatment change that the change actually has worked. And again, as you know, A1C is a nice sort of yardstick, but you cannot treat or change the treatment based on A1C. You need to see those glucose levels. So I have patients who check, uh, you know, glucose levels once a month, once a week, and I have people who check four to ten times a day, again, depending what the treatment is. But I always tell my patients I will never ask them to do more than I need to change the treatment. They pretty much do the same. Very interesting. Um, how often do people with uh, type 2 diabetes need to be uh, seen by their medical team? Well, I'll tell you, once the, basically the treatment is in place and once it's clear, the patient understands what the plan is, I try to do it quarterly. And typically, the three-month visit, given the A1C, allows you to see, okay, is the patient still on track? Do they need some correction? So I would say quarterly would be the routine for a control patient. When you have a problem, specific problem, or when the patient needs to intensify the treatment, I usually try to see them at least once a month until it's clear that they're making progress. Thank you. Uh, I'm afraid we are um, out of time. I would hope to speak with Dr. Gromberger again uh, in the future in the upcoming programs. Please come back again and share your uh, wisdom with us. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. George Gromberger. We have been discussing the best and safest way in achieving uh, glucose control for our patients. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download this segment, go to reachmd.com forward slash diabetes.